Welcome to another episode of The Future of BizTech. I am your host, JC Granger. I have the CEO of BlueSnap with us, Ralph Dangelmeyer. Ralph, thank you so much for coming on the show. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and BlueSnap? Sure. Hi, JC. So I've been in payments. BlueSnap is a payments company, and I've been a payments professional, I guess you call it, or in fintech now for about 30 years. And BlueSnap is a company that helps businesses accept payments globally, either B2B or B2C. And so it's been crazy time during the pandemic, and it's great to join your show and, and talk to your listeners. Awesome. Thanks. So a couple questions here for you. What is kind of like the biggest pain point that your company solves uh, for businesses and, and what businesses specifically do you really target? Yeah. So the pain point we solve, there's a couple of them. Right now, the biggest pain point, and it's almost like you got to do this pre-pandemic pre, uh, and post-pandemic almost, <laughs> but the biggest thing we solve is helping to automate and let businesses pay digitally through invoicing or through websites or through any kind of digital manner that they want. So right now, that has been hot. We've been working with manufacturing services companies, SaaS companies, and trying to help them get their invoices out, embed payment links of either bank transfers or cards, whatever it may be, and get those to their customers so they can pay their bills, receive them, give them a portal to look at where the payments stand at the particular time. Because quite frankly, these businesses have created great technology, but when you look on the back office and look how they're doing pay- payments, a lot of this stuff is the same as it was doing, you know, 50 years ago. So a lots of, of all, but the payment piece hasn't. And very, very few payments are actually done digitally right now. And so there is a huge opportunity to get paid quicker, to save money, and to automate this and have a better experience for your customers. And it's just not something that uh, businesses have been thinking about really until the pandemic when people couldn't come into the office and send out invoices and open mail and mm-hmm. process checks and all those things. Um, it's very similar to what unfortunately happened in 9-11 when we moved from mailing paper checks across country to digitizing those checks and actually being able to process those on your phone or in your office. So. So that's the biggest pain point we see right now during the pandemic. There's lots of other pain points that happen with cross-border payments, with fraud, with dealing with partial payments, with dealing with returns and refunds, and all these other things that happens in payments. But most, I think, companies think of payments as a nuisance. And our job is to make that a pleasurable experience and not a nuisance anymore. And what's, um, you know, do, is there any kind of uh, specific industries that, use BlueSnap more than others? Do you find like a lot of mom and pops are doing it within retail? Or do you find that it's like you were saying, SaaS companies are, are coming on a lot. Uh, yeah, you know, we're a marketing agency, for example, we use digital, you know, so what, where do you kind of find the majority or is it kind of all over the map? It's really all over the map. I mean, that just recently we've done a ton in education. So a lot of uh, invoices on, on schools. We work with a lot of digital PR agencies when they're invoicing their clients. Um, a, a tons of manufacturers of all kinds of things, auto parts, uh, jet engine parts, tractors, um, all kinds of things that, that, that are equipment. It's been, you, you can imagine logistics. We've signed up dozens of logistics companies and how they, they bill for logistics online. Um, services companies, oh my God, pools, lawyers, doctors, huge entry this year to us for healthcare. So that nobody wants oh, yeah. to touch anything anymore in a healthcare. So now you get, you get a payment gets text to you. 
We did our first restaurants this year, uh, of course, you know, QR codes, pay at the table, order ahead. So anybody that has to make a payment, the technology is flexible enough that it can be embedded into whatever your invoicing platform is, or it could hang off a website, or it could be old fashioned. You call it in and create into a portal. So there's many ways to do it and it's pretty straightforward. And it's just something that people haven't put on their priority list uh, until recently. So let me ask you a question here. You know, you, you talk about how it can be embedded. You say that a lot as far as embedded into, into yeah. the platform. Is that something that most payment processors are able to do? Or is this something that kind of makes you guys stand out? Is there something unique about your code that allows a flexibility to put your, you know, like you said, embed your yeah. platform? So yeah, I think we do stand out. So there's two ways to think of this. One way is a bank or a payment processor gives you a toolkit of technology and you as the business have to really become the system integrator. You have to go out, find the code. You have to do the embedding yourself. You have to set up your fraud. You got to set everything up and you got to process yourself. So it's kind of like going to Home Depot and building your own shed. What we've okay. done is we've prefabricated the sheds. So we've okay. said... Here is, you have an invoice of $5,000. Here's how you, here's, we've embedded in the invoice. It's probably going to be a bank transfer. Do you want to charge a fee or not to do that? This is most likely how it goes. We also have the technology to create the invoice for you. So if you're using a Quicken or a QuickBooks or a NetSuite, we can actually create the invoice and embed the payment as well. So we have more technology that's built out so the business doesn't have to do the building. And most businesses don't have enough invoices in reality, to put a team on it to build out the right infrastructure. Now, of course, if you're a you know, $5 billion business, you do, but many don't. So these businesses that are you know, 20 or 30 million up to say 5 billion just need help in packaging the technology to meet the needs of cross-border clients, bank transfer clients, card clients, invoices, non-invoices. So think of it as sort of a package solution that you can deploy depending on what the needs are of your payments or your customers. Okay. That, that's really cool. And I like the, yeah. the simple integration of it, I, essentially, you know, uh, saving yeah. time. Now you said that the company, you, you know, before in our pre-interview, you were saying that the company started was in Israel, you said? I mean, it did. Okay. yeah. So yeah. tell us a little bit about kind of what you know about the origins, like, you know, how that started and when, and then, and then what brought you into the company? Where did Ralph come in? <laughs> I know. I'm still wondering that myself. So, <laughs> Great question. Israel, which I've learned a lot about, and I got to say, I didn't know a lot about Israel about eight years ago when I came in, is as people, I generally know Startup Nation. And so what they did is not only they started a lot of really cool technology companies we all use, you know, the Waze and the Wixes and, and folks like that, but they built an innovative payments company to help these startup nations sell outside of Israel. And that was BlueSnap. And so what happened is it was very focused on Israeli selling outside of Israel. And about 10 years of being pretty successful doing that, a bunch of U.S. private equity firms bought the company and brought the idea to the United States and said, if this works for Israeli selling out, Israeli customers selling outside of Israel, why not use the same technology to help American businesses sell outside of America? So they were early on in the idea of selling cross-border. So that's what happened. And after they did that in 2011 or 12, about a year later, I came in the company to really bring in new investment, bring in new management and bring it to a, a level of scale that we are today where we're operating now in dozens of countries with you know, thousands of merchants all around the world, helping them sell or collect invoices you know, all over the world. So 
And that's a little bit of how the story happened. All right. Let's talk about that growth too. So, you know, as a marketer, I've always got that marketing brain on, right? Yeah. Uh, so I always like to ask on the show for the benefit of the audience too, is, you know, what are you guys doing right now, marketing wise to help grow your company? Yeah. We, I got to talk to Bree for a second there on your PR team. So I know you're doing some PR, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> but what yeah. else are you guys doing to help grow and, you know, what kind of advice, you know, could you give or that the story you could tell that could help, you know, other business owners listening? Yeah. So we have a multi-pronged sort of marketing effort that goes on, right? And the multifaceted is what I really get at. So we, we really do believe heavily in content. We think we've got a lot of really great content that we put out all over the place. We think people are going to start reading and absorbing your content maybe before they start to get to know who you are. And we think that content drives search engine optimization. We think it drives partner growth. And so uh, that, that's a core piece of what we do. We also, I think we're pretty active on social. We got uh, tens of thousands of followers on myself and the company, and we're pretty active on posting. I think we're very good about posting things about customers too, and how they're solving problems, whether it's music or whether it's you know, performance socks or whether it's buying cars online, all the things we sell Let's talk about how they solve their problems because you may sell candy online and go, I don't have a payments problem. Well, you, you, maybe you do. And okay. so, so, so we're trying to do, do a lot of that. Yes, we do press releases. I mean, you know, that's sort of a second thing. Um, we do account-based marketing as well. So we really look at similar, like we signed up a lot of shipping companies or freight companies. So we said, geez, we have 10 that just signed up last month. Why don't we go to the other 10 that are sort of similar to them? And why don't we send them customized notes and say, geez, Half of your clients read payments with us. Well, maybe you should look at how you're doing your payments and work with us. Because a lot of this is just awareness and time. We think within payments, we're really well known around the banking communities and around the card brands, but we may not be around. You know, there's about 10 million businesses that we think we can serve around the world. It's very hard to get your brand recognized there. And so by using Google for search, by using the content, by doing account-based marketing, by doing some LinkedIn posts, by doing these press releases, it, we think we've got a touch point that's going to reach partners and going to reach reach businesses. And it's steadily been growing our website. I mean, I think we, you know, about eight years ago, our website, we, we cracked top 100,000 in the world. And I think I just saw us crack uh, top 10,000 in the world. So we're doing something right on getting eyeballs on our site. And I think with the pandemic now, where people are saying, I do have to innovate or think about payments differently it's given us a little bit more of a lift. And so we've tried to help people during this time. Are you struggling to generate warm leads fast for your B2B tech company? Do you wish you could hand out the entire process to a team of professionals and have leads flowing in daily to fill your pipeline, convert to big ROI sales? Well, at Infinity Marketing Group, that is exactly what we do. We are lead generation masters who specialize in the B2B tech industry. So whether you're in hardware, software, or even tech services, we here at Infinity Marketing Group can turn your company into a lead generation machine. So for more information, visit our website at www.infinitymgroup.com, email us at info at infinitymgroup.com, or give us a call at 303-834-7344. We look forward to helping you realize your revenue goals. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. I mean, if you're if you're hitting top ten thousand or yeah. top hundred thousand, I mean, there's there's like billions of websites. So if you're anywhere near that, that hundred thousand, <laughs> you know, ten thousand, that's huge. 
So, uh, you know, the title of the podcast being the future of biz tech, tell us, there's a two-part question. First off, tell us kind of what's coming uh, down the pipeline for Blue Snap, you know, a little maybe sneak peek for the audience. So they kind of know where you guys are headed as far as maybe technology wise or features, things like that. And then also the second question is, where do you think the payment processing industry is going in the next, you know, five years or so? What kind of new innovation or drastic changes do you see coming? Yeah. Well, I think if I were, if you asked me that question a year ago, I would have said over the next five years, businesses are going to look to digitize their payments because this whole manual APAR stuff is really crazy. It's very hard to get data. They're constantly loading things in and out of systems. They don't reconcile. It's a little backwards. And now what I've seen happen in the last nine months is those five years has really shrunk to, I think, one or two years. So the industry is moving to digitize itself. I mean, right now, if I, I think my stats are somewhat up to state here. I looked at, I looked at 20% of the payments are digital and 80% are still manual. We got a long way to go to convert everyone from, from manual processes to digital processes. And a lot of people just know how to do it. So I think there's a big wave coming there. Okay. So if that's the premise for what's going to happen, what's coming down the pike? Well, let's talk about one of the obvious ones, security, right? Everybody's worried about someone hacking into my shop, the payment's going the wrong way. What happens is, so I think we got to spend a lot more time on security. There's been some great regulations that have happened in Europe to support security by putting strong authentication on payments that happen. There's been a great adoption recently by Visa, MasterCard, American Express to put things like tokenization, which is scrambling of the cards or scrambling of the data. We've been doing this in Israel for 10 years. Visa adopted it the last couple of years. So this is going to be a big deal. Being able to recognize bad IPs, bad cards, bad actors, friendly fraud, all that stuff is going to be a big thing that, that is going to happen as you move everything online. So there's a huge piece of that. So we've been developing and have developed and will continue to develop products to help businesses through that transformation. The other thing that's happening um, out in payments world is most people in the United States, we got things pretty easy. We have one way to one or two ways to send payments, you know, ACH and wire, we have cards. Well, every single country has its own internal payments network, like their own internal ACH or their internal PayPal. And people don't realize that. So there's hundreds of payment methods. Yes, some become more famous, like uh, using Alipay, right? All of a sudden that's become they have Apple Pay, Google Pay. But there's a hundred of those. Each country has one. So a lot of the countries want to pay using their own payment methods. They don't want to be using an American method or a Chinese method. It's almost insulting culturally. And hmm. so it's something that we find that people don't understand. So we're connecting to more of these networks around the world and places like Brazil and, and in Holland and in Germany so that folks can do, so the businesses can pay locally, but the money can still settle in the United States. And so that's a big trend that we're yeah. seeing here. I, I never considered that, that cultural issue. I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Like you're, you're basically helping enable different countries to use their own so that their customers feel, you know, better and safer about it. But on the back end, you're able to provide that infrastructure for them still. So they don't have to build it out themselves, but they can still say, this is an Indian company or an Asian company or, you know, or or Israeli company, things like that. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. That, that, that's that, cool. And people, people miss that. People miss that. Yeah. So you say there's a hundred currents. So if you're not going to use their payment type, at least don't, and use their currency. You know, don't mm-hmm. insult them all the way through, right? At least yeah. they all recognize you're from Australia. We're going to offer you an Australian dollar, even though you may not offer you the Australian payment type, which you yeah. should. 
so yeah, so it does, it, it is insulting from that point of view. And it's kind of like gives the Americans kind of a bad rap. And so that's a big deal. Look at the British got so upset about it that they Brexited, right? So, I mean, this is a big, big deal here. And it's, it's something we don't always pay attention to. And I think it's sort of obvious now, so what's going on with the, the economies and printing of money and inflation and all stuff. I mean, these cryptocurrencies are going to have a place in the world. Um, it's still a pretty small market. Bitcoin, as you know, just hit, uh, it's coming up around $40,000. $40, I remember a few years ago, it was $300 a share. And so, but it's still a very, very small market, right? It's a, it's a very, very small market, but that is going to be a trend. And I think not only are you going to see cryptocurrencies come into play for payments, you're also going to see governments start to back current. Uh, well, that, and that'll calm it down. That'll make it less volatile, which, Correct. You know, which is nice. Correct. Yeah. Right. So, so, so then I guess you guys, are you guys already setting the groundwork to be able to adopt that, to be able to work with Bitcoin and whatnot? Is that something that's kind of coming down the pipeline for BlueStack? Yeah, we, yeah, we haven't done it yet, but we're setting the groundwork for it because up until recently, most of the transactions happened in cryptocurrency were transactions that weren't tracked or traced. And so the feeling was those maybe weren't transactions that you wanted to be involved in. Now it's starting to become a little bit more mainstream and, and transactions will become, I think, less volatile and more, like you say, backed by, backed by countries. We think of Bitcoin is backed by the cloud. I mean, no one owns it. If the US government or the British government comes out with a cryptocurrency, they back. Or even if Apple comes out with the digital currency, it's at least backed by something that you know and trust versus yeah. what is Bitcoin? I mean, it could, it, it could fluctuate in any way. I mean, it's, and, and it's such a small market, it can bounce a lot on you. So there's a lot of risk in that. But it is an interesting, it's an interesting thing and it, it can't be ignored. And I, I think it's here to stay. And, you know, Bitcoin's already been around for 10 years. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's going to be around for the next 10 years. And there will be other cryptocurrencies that come along. So th there's a lot of innovation coming in payments from if I kind of back up to this automation and thinking as payments as part of your product in your back office to thinking about, oh my God, now it's digital. How do I protect myself? to where's this thing going using local languages, local currencies, and eventually cryptocurrencies, there's a huge innovation going on in payments. And this is kind of one of the reasons why the fintech market is kind of hot. I mean, it's getting drawing a lot of investments, the stocks are roaring, private equities are putting money, there's this new thing called SPACs that are gobbling up fintech companies. And so it's a very robust market and there's lots of different angles in it. And um, it's kind of interesting. I've uh, you're out in San Jose and I have uh, two kids. Oh, well, we're, we're out in Denver. I, I was saying I, I grew up out in San Jose. Oh, you grew up in San Jose. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're out in Denver. You're in San Jose now. But, yeah. but the point is, is that, that the market is just funding tons of innovation and payments because there's lots around it. There's boarding, there's fraud, there's risk, there's crypto, there's banking. There's millions of little pieces that go into the infrastructure that can be optimized as we go from this 20% digital to 80% digital, right? A yeah. lot's going to change over the next 10 years. So it's a fun time to be doing yeah. it. You know, when I started payments 30 years ago, I got to say it was it was a little boring. And I got to say, I don't think anyone's bored at Blue Snap at this point in time. No, it's exciting for sure. So listen, thanks for coming on the show. I wanted to ask you though, is there anything else that I didn't ask that you, you know, want the audience to know about, whether it be industry-wise, Blue Snap, uh, is there anything else that you can tell them? Well, um, you know, the, the best thing I could tell them is, you know, not to get overwhelmed by the back office of the payments and see if they could make that a, a priority over the next two years to at least automate 
or look at efficiencies and handling their payments because wherever they are now, fixing it now is a lot easier than fixing it later. The bigger and better it gets is it becomes much harder to change. And we're seeing businesses that have many accounting systems and global invoicing, and it's these big, huge, complicated projects now to fix what they could have fixed when they were maybe a little smaller. So there's no bad time to start it. And how can uh, anyone from the audience, if they're interested in Blue Snap at like an enterprise level or individually, how can they uh, reach out to you or to the company? Yeah, it's it's super simple. It's bluesnap.com. Everything's online. There's a lot of data out there to, to read up about things we're talking about, whether it's invoicing online. There's a form to contact someone to get information. And believe it or not, I get quite a few emails myself. I'm at ralph at bluesnap.com and people reach me on LinkedIn or directly. And I try to respond to everybody as best I can. That's awesome, Ralph. Listen, thanks again for coming on the show. Greatly appreciate it. And here's to a profitable and an awesome 2021 for you. Thanks, you too. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Future of BizTech. I hope you got great value out of our discussion today. If so, be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate it five stars. This helps the podcast jump in the ratings to help other techies like you and I find it too. And remember, if you own or work for a B2B tech company and you're looking for highly targeted, hot leads delivered to your inbox daily, my agency, Infinity Marketing Group, can help. We've been in business since 2010 and have helped hundreds of companies just like yours make millions of dollars in marketing and lead gen ROI. So be sure to visit our website at www.infinitym, as in marketing, group.com. That's infinitymgroup.com. Or you can email us at info at infinitymgroup.com. Or you can call us at 303-834-7344. We look forward to talking with you. And I look forward to you listening to my next episode of The Future of BizTech.